Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Daryl Edwards is a former investment banking technologist turned movement coach and author. He is the founder of the Primal Play Method and is a physical activity, health, and play researcher. After almost two decades working in investment banking, Daryl transformed his health after adopting a back-to-basics approach to well-being. As a health and movement coach, Daryl now advises people on maintaining a healthy lifestyle. He regularly presents as a keynote and motivational speaker at academic, clinical, health promotion, and corporate events worldwide. Daryl's April 2019 TED Talk, Why Working Out Isn't Working Out, discussing the issues with physical inactivity and why most humans hate to exercise, has now been viewed over a million times. He is the author of several best-selling and award-winning books, including Animal Moves, Paleo A to Z, and his most recent book, My First Animal Moves, which encourages kiddos to move and play more. Daryl Edwards, it is an absolute honor to welcome you to Boundless Body Radio. Oh, thank you so much. That was that was a great introduction. So uh, I, I feel it's a it's a pleasure to know myself based on that introduction. <laughs> well, we we always offer our guests to read it twice. So if you want me to read it again, just let me know. You've done, you've done a lot of um, cool stuff in your life, man. I've followed your work for a very long time, and it really truly is an honor to have you on the show. I just have to say, to your knowledge, are you the only TED Talk speaker to ever have people up on stage? play fighting with sound effects. Has anybody else ever done that? I don't think anyone else has. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't, to be fair, um, I didn't check if that was the case or not, <laughs> because I, I, I probably, well, I wouldn't have wanted to, to duplicate the, the, you know, um, that scenario, but I knew given that I was talking about, you know, I talk about play in, in, in my, in my TED talk, I talk about the issues of physical inactivity, the global pandemic of inactivity. And I'm like, you know what? There needs to be a practical demonstration of what I'm talking about, because if it's just theorized, it only goes so far. So so I was fortunate. I didn't even, even have to have stooges because I was like considering, you know, the, the, the team actually said, hey, maybe you should get a few people kind of like, upfront agreeing to come on stage and to do whatever you want them to do. And I was like, nah, I want to keep it fresh. And, <laughs> and the downside is no one could have come on stage. That's right. Uh, um, you know, uh, but the, the, fortunately people volunteered and, and we had a great time on stage. We, 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 it was like, you know, and not only that, I mean, yeah, actually let me not even finish there. The main the main joy of that experience actually was you couldn't see the audience. So, so in, in the, in the Ted talk, obviously the focus is, is on the kind of red, the red dot, you know, the red circle on, on the stage <laughs> and, and, and the, the main speaker. But the, when I could look into the auditorium and see sort of 1500 people plus, you know, a couple of thousand people playing tag, <laughs> in the auditorium uh, and, and playing some of the other games that I, that I, that I did slow motion play fighting and stuff. That was incredible because people, you know, again, you're not sure are people going to want to just stay in their, in their seats and being a British audience, you know, pretty quite reserved. Uh, <laughs> but actually they, they all embraced their inner child and they were like, yeah, we'll do whatever you say. So I felt like a stage hypnotist for, for, 
microsecond. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It looked totally unscripted, so I could kind of get a sense of that. And I was like, man, he's really putting his ass on the line if nobody does come up or like if it takes like five minutes to recruit people. But I, I'm glad you used the word joy earlier because I, I, you can't watch that video and not experience just great joy and have like a, an ear to ear grin, uh, seeing, you know, people play and have some fun. I, I think it's a wonderful message. And it was a fantastic Ted talk. You did a really, really great job. Um, one of the podcasts I really love is the Primal Kitchen podcast with Elle Russ. We've had her on our show as well, somebody we followed for a very long time. And you did a podcast with her last year, and you were talking about a lot of things that were very relevant to the time that we were in. You were talking about resilience, playing at home, uh, using technology, um, you know, remote coaching and things like that. And I had to double check the date. It was done in 2020, but it was done in Jan on January 6th, 2020. Like, <laughs> that was relevant mm. at that time, but think how much more relevant it was like two months ago when lockdown started. Crazy timing. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. No, that's really interesting. I mean, I, you know, sometimes I don't keep track of, obviously, you know, I've, I've done quite a few podcasts and, um, you know, sometimes it would be great to go back for like historical reference and, and to consider what I spoke about then at that point in time. But, um, you know, I think the focal lens around tech, the positivity of using technology especially during isolation and during the pandemic is, is something that people are thinking about even more because they're, they're trying to find solutions to this problem of we may have to social distance, we may have to physically distance, we may be isolated to, you know, to our homes. What, how do we, how we do we get, get along on, in, on that basis? But for me, being a bit of a tech head as well, and certainly that was my previous career was in technology. I have a love-hate relationship with tech, I suppose. On the one hand, I love gadgets. I love technology. I love, you know, being a bit of a fanboy uh, in relation to whatever tech I have. I love it. Early adopter, the whole, the whole nine yards. The downside is weighing up the realities of the main reason for being of technology which is convenience. Mm. It's, to, it's to help uh, enable us to have a more passive existence, a, more, uh, a less challenging existence, a more comfortable existence. And because of that, it's driving many more of us to become sedentary. So it accelerates the process. It's like a catalyst for sedentary behavior. Mm. It encourages physical inactivity. Because, hey, if I can do something in, in less time, far more conveniently, less, with less, less effort and physical exertion, I'm, I'm in. I'm sold. And tech offers that solution. The downside is what happens on the other side. The other side of that is the issues of physical inactivity, the diseases that are born out of physical activity, mm. the increased risk of chronic lifestyle diseases that are, that are all around us. Um, and of course, it isn't just about exercise or physical activity, but it's a it's a, a huge contributor to many mal maladies of the of the kind of Western industrialized world. Yeah. So um, so yeah, it is a it is a challenge. Now we've probably we're probably even more comfortable now with using technology 
the things that previously it was like tech can't 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 solve this problem. You know, so for example, for you know for business persons or you know people traveling, sales sales person personnel who were like, no, I have to have my meeting in person. You know, can't do that remotely. Can't do that on a, on a Zoom meeting on a Zoom call. People had to adapt. Right before you know it, you've now got virtual conferences, virtual meetings. Um, you know, people are traveling less. Even now, lockdown is 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 not is not in the same not in the same sort of lockdown scenario as we were, but um, people's habits have changed and people are embracing technology even even more. So yeah, I'm not anti-tech, which it may sound like I am from the, from the headlines, <laughs> but but um, I, I I suppose I do spend a lot of time dwelling on and being reflective about why is technology a problem. Yeah, sure. and is it a problem if it's not an addiction? Like, is it a problem if it's not talking about oh, you know, are video games harmful, or is it a problem if it's not related to to social media and the harms that may come from, say, cyberbullying or or people being trolling online? Do you know what I mean? Like, all of those things, people are very kind of very au fait with with the issues surrounding that you know, division that, that comes out of, of these, some of these platforms, right? People are kind of, that's fairly commonplace conventional conversations around that. What people are less likely to talk about are actually it's forcing me to sit in my chair pretty much all day. You know, it's, it's, it's driving me to this, you know, Wally, you know, Wally. I never quite know how to pronounce the name of that film. That, that, that kind of Wally kind of existence of let me just exist in a seated position and have everything that I need for survival, arms reach away. Yeah, totally. And we're getting closer and closer to that with, with our smart devices. You can pretty much, I mean, there's not many things you can't do from the comfort of your chair with a smart device in your hand yeah. to, to, live, to live life. <laughs> totally. Mm. Totally. I can control the temperature of my house to be exactly the same year round. I can turn my lights on and off using my phone. I can, I can talk to you from a whole nother continent, you know, bouncing a, a satellite message up into outer space and back. It's, you know, technology started, you know, two or 3 million years ago when a human, not a human, but a hominid slapped one stone against another one and formed like a rock, a sharp rock that he could use as a tool. Like that's technology. And we, mm, it's amazing mm, what we've mm. done with all of these things, but yeah, yeah, they be, they become our own hindrance when we we have the ability to make everything so comfortable all the time. It's bananas. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, and, and that's that's the, the price we pay for innovation, right? Because the, that driver for hold on a second, there's got to be a better way of doing this, right? That driver for for innovation and creativity and problem solving leads us to these dynamic solutions around, wow, you know, it's so difficult for me to, whatever, hunt, right? Using these, the tools that I have, using my bare hands, right? To struggle. What can I do? Right, you know what? Somebody, whoever the first person was who thought about, you know, a spear, right? And, and killing an animal that way. Who, who, who had that idea? Right, or maybe striking with a rock. Maybe that was the first idea. Hey, let's pick up a rock and strike an animal. You know, who 
Whoever thought of that? And then generations later, people going, I can't believe people are still throwing rocks. Why don't you know what I mean? <laughs> totally. It doesn't go, it doesn't go, yeah, it doesn't go far enough. It doesn't, it doesn't go deep enough into the animal. I mean, it sounds a bit more, but anyway, you know, it's like there may be a better way of doing this, right? Locomotion. Yeah, we're great. It's great walking 20 miles a day, 25 miles a day to to to, to a better habitat, but maybe we could do it faster. <laughs> maybe we can we could do it more efficiently. Maybe we could use animals to help us do that. Maybe. You know, but that's not good enough. What about the wheel? You know, do you know what I mean? And then before you know it, we are where we are in the 21st century uh, where we could never have imagined we'd be utilising devices that we have now, right? Uh, um, And of course, we also know, even though it's difficult difficult to be aware of that fact, but whatever tools we're using now are one day in the very not too distant future going to be regarded as so crude <laughs> and like Luddite like <laughs> totally. you know I mean? totally yeah, yeah. Like my iPhone my iPhone 13 or 4 whatever the newest one is mm-hmm. that I just upgraded is mm-hmm. going to be a VCR before I know it that's a really good point exactly <laughs> yeah ex- exactly it's like can you believe and again we don't we, we don't have the we don't have the kind of mindset to kind of visualize whatever that world will be but somebody's going to look back and go, can you believe these individuals actually held this device that weighed, you know, whatever, in their hands, swiping a screen, talking to this device, <laughs> this artificial intelligence. Can you believe, can you believe that? Savages. They pretend artificial intelligence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who, who, you know, those uncivilized folk of 2021. 20, um, <laughs> Yeah, so so it, it, it's 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 fascinating that driver, but we know there's a consequence, and a lot of that consequence is the burden of, you know, health, physical health, mental health, emotional health. They're all impacted, and in many cases, it's a negative impact. Yeah. You know, we're 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 kind of devolving in some in some respects in relation to to managing certain conditions that are only brought about, or not only, but significantly increase the risk of those conditions because of the way we live our, uh, we, you know, we live our lives and also the environment that we're in and how much we're deviating from what our body needs as healthier inputs. Mm. Yeah, right? uh, and, totally. and yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. It's it's so it's so interesting. I hear a lot of people in the health space saying that nobody is talking about what people should really be doing, you know, during a, a global pandemic. They need to be getting healthier, they need to be exercising. And I, I'm not sure if if that's the case or not. It seems like a lot of us have been talking about this for a long time. And I think most people mm. know like you you should probably eat real food. You should probably get outside. Mm. You should probably exercise. I I feel like most people understand that. Yet a lot of people that I see that want to do an exercise program or they pay for a personal trainer or they buy some, you know, expensive program, they don't ever really stick with it. So what, what in your opinion is the problem with exercise, the, the way that, you know, we, we tell people to do it all the time? Yeah. So exercise is a, it's, it's like a proxy. It's a substitute for real movement. 
right? So we, you just spoke about real food, right? So just like you can get artificial processed food, which is still food, but you're, it's, you know, usually devoid of nutrients or it can be, you know, you know, created artificially or very calorific, not nutrient dense, just energy dense. So all of these sort of issues that can come across from artificial and processed foods and fast foods. There's something similar with the exercise approach, which is we do have a requirement for movement. We need that requirement pretty much on a daily basis. We have a requirement that our movement should cover a variety of activities based on our ability to move in that, in that way. But we don't have the time. We don't have the need, most importantly, to do any of that sort of stuff because we now live in the 21st century. But if we don't move, we pay the price. So exercise was developed as a solution to that problem. And because it was invented as a created a solution to that problem, which is not just about athletes, let's do it because you're an athlete and you need to perform. We need to do it because this is going to be good for your health. That's the reason why we're going to be developing this, this kind of exercise paradigm. The downside is, as human beings, we're constantly thinking about, or even if we're not thinking about it, our bodies are constantly telling us, you need to conserve energy. You have no idea where your next meal is coming from. Don't overwork unless you know you're going to be able to replenish yourself to be able to continue to do that work. So when your environment is telling you, oh my goodness, I need to go through a significant amount of physical exertion to be able to get tomorrow's food, right? <laughs> you can't say, I don't feel like doing it, right? I don't feel like working that hard to get my food. Because if you do, you won't eat and you'll starve, mm. right? So you have, you have a, a driver for movement, which is instinctive, which is about satisfying the must-have aspects of survival, i.e. we need to get food, hunt, gather, scavenge food. We need to protect ourselves from the elements. We need to build shelter. We need to protect ourselves and protect our community from predators, right? We need to find new sources of food. We need to find safe environments. We need to determine what is good food or you know, harmful food, less harmful, you know, all those kind of things. All of those activities require a significant amount of movement, quality and quantity of movement. Fast forward to the present day, we don't need to move for any of those, any of those reasons, but we can still satisfy our craving and desire for food. But instead of having the physical exertion as a predicate for, uh, for food, right? We have, I can just sit here and click a button and here you go, food arrives. I can have pretty much whatever I want, whenever I want it. Even if I'm, even if I'm full to the brim, I can still eat more, right? Because it yeah. doesn't really satisfy me. So, so, so yeah, the problem with exercise, and it's long, I've kind of gone a long way around. The problem with exercise, it's like an artificial construct, which does some good. It does a lot of good. The downside is people wanting to do it is a problem. Mm. people deciding to start 
an exercise regimen is a problem. Once you do start exercising, most people feel pretty good about it. Most people feel better after their exercise session, right? Most people are like, yeah, thank goodness I actually made the effort to do that. But it's getting there, which is a problem. Mm. And then even if you do get to do to start an exercise program, sometimes the process is not very enjoyable. So I know for sure the amount of times I went to gym classes and I was like, I only feel good when I finish. I'm like watching the clock, looking at my watch going, when is this going to end? Because at that point, I'm going to feel great. But right now, I hate it. Mm. And then you, then you say to yourself, I know what the problem is. Maybe the problem is I'm in a class environment and I should be doing things by myself that only I want to do. So then you train by yourself and you're still clock watching. You're still looking at your program going, oh my gosh, I've got to do all this sort of stuff. Oh, I can't wait for this to be done. Then I'll feel great. <laughs> right? So, right? so you then have to create reasons for exercise, like charity runs, right? Or like aspirational goals. Like I have to run, you know, bucket list goals. Like I want to run a marathon. You know what I mean? I want to run my 5K fast this year. I want to, you know, get into shape. I want to lose some weight. Whatever, whatever your goals are. So it becomes kind of extrin- extrinsic goals, extrinsic values, which are not really born from yourself. Mm. And that's why I feel exercise is, is an issue. And even if you don't, even if you feel like, you know, maybe Dow's just been a bit melodramatic about this because I love exercise. You know, you're one of those people who are like, what are you talking about? I love the second that I, I tie up my shoelaces on my, tra- you know, my sneakers or training shoes. I love that moment. I love every single second of my training regimen. Beating myself up is great. And I actually hate it when I stop, right? So let's <laughs> imagine you're that. If you're that person, you're in a significant minority. Gyms, let's talk about gyms. Gyms survive based on a subscription model, meaning that not everyone who's a member turns up. That's right. Right? They rely on the fact that the majority of people who sign up are only going to go for a short time, who are going to be paying memberships for the long term, who are subsidizing the people who actually go, you know, four or five times a week and really utilize the gym resources. People are subsidizing them by a subscription model, which usually gets you to sign up long term based on your enthusiasm to get stuff done on January 1st, New Year's resolution. The gyms are busy for a few weeks. And then the rest of the year, it's like, wow, there's, this, there's so much equipment here in this gym. <laughs> in the first two weeks of Jan, people are complaining like, oh, there's just not enough equipment. There's not enough space, not enough room. It's too busy. I don't like this. But then it doesn't really matter because in two or three weeks, you're probably not going to be there anyway to complain about it. Yep. We saw it every so it's a, year. It's, a, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Every year that we worked at a gym, we saw it every year. One member proposed having like a new members area where there would be like one treadmill and maybe like one band and a ball. And like they had to stay in that one area until like six weeks later. And if they were still like using the gym, then they could come and use the rest of the gym with the other members. I thought that was pretty good. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's a quite a good, I mean, that's quite a good incentive. I mean, and again, if, if people, if some people enjoy the, the kind of um, stick approach, right? or the carrot, depending on how you look at it for that, that, that scenario. <laughs> um, there are some people who, you know, the gym environment works well for them. It keeps them motivated. 
it's a place for for for, for movement. But um, we know what the model, why the model is based on a subscription model, why gyms don't, you know, think about it. Why don't gyms just say, hey, we're open. Just come when you feel like it. Pay as you go. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, we're open. You can train whenever you want. Just when you feel like it, come and do it. Because they know if that was the model, right, gyms would be, again, no one would be attending hardly. Gyms would be empty all, all year round and no one would go into the gym business. That's right. That's right. All out of business. <laughs> yeah. They'd be out of business. Right. Yeah, totally. So they have to think, hold on a second. What can we do? We rely on the new year's resolution rush to, you know, with a long-term membership, maybe 12 months, 18 months that you have to commit to. You don't have to come and see us. That's not a problem, but you're still going to pay. Yep. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and quite rightly, subscription models tend to work well, even in technology, mm. right? They, they woo you with that short, like kind of, um, what's the word? That sort of honeymoon. You have the honeymoon effect, right? Where you go, oh my goodness, I can't wait to sign up to such and such a service. Wow, it's such good value for money. Oh my gosh, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use every single morsel of, of service available, right? And then after some time, you hardly ever use it. You know, but I'm still committed to that subscription. Mm. Maybe one day I'll get back to using it as often as I did. And I don't want to cancel because if I do, I may not, I may have to pay more next time in the future. And, you know, so, so subscription models work really well in so many different areas. And I'm pretty certain gyms probably were the, the sort of uh, the genesis of subscription <laughs> models. You know, totally. that problem was solved by, by people going, I've got this amazing environment people to move why aren't people just dropping by you know and, and making themselves feel feel good <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> totally out of business <laughs> uh, yeah yeah out of business yeah out of business yeah. you know okay let's know, i know what we'll do rather than saying you can drop by any time why don't we give people like they can book in some time slots you know maybe that's the way to go so we'll get people that can book they can they can make sure there's only a certain amount of people in the gym at a certain point in time maybe that would be the solution they probably tried that and it was like, wow, people are, people are booking their time and they're still not turning up. What the hell, what the heck's this about, right? <laughs> well, let them pay in advance, let them pay in advance. That's what we've got to do. Okay, they're paying in advance, but some people don't want to pay in advance because they'd rather wait until the last minute. And some people are still paying but not turning up. Hey, I know what we'll do. Why don't we capitalize on the people who pay and don't show up? <laughs> long-term contracts yep. and you know let's build the same a sales team that are like let's get you in january all these special offers blah 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 blah, and you just never show up for the rest of the year yep yeah sold totally, totally. sold <laughs> so 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 yeah it, it's it's you know exercise doesn't work not because it isn't beneficial for health because it is not because there are significant benefits not just to physical health but mental health emotional health you know, re- disease prevention, all the rest, because there is, and significant evidence supporting that. The main issue is the amount of barriers there are to developing a movement practice that is sustainable. Mm. It, you know, lack of time, don't have the money, I have no idea what to do, I don't think it's fun, it's just too much like hard work. Those are all the barriers to, to entry. And so even when you say, Okay, we'll make it free then. 
So cost is, is not a problem. Oh, free? It's still not cheap enough. You know what I mean? That's still too, <laughs> <laughs> still too expensive. Okay. Okay. We'll give you time. We'll give you a time as, as part of your day. You know, you can schedule some gym time. You, you can take it out of your working day. We'll subsidize it as an employer. People still don't take advantage of that offer because it's actually nothing to do with those barriers. It's more to do with the fact that I just don't really like exercise and I'm trying to force myself to, to love it. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah. Solution. What's the solution? <laughs> yeah, great question. I mean, so I will say this, like if you do go into a gym, it's totally fine. There's so many different things that you can do. And it's interesting, like if you and I were to go to the gym or watch some great David Attenborough nature uh, uh, um, documentaries, which I absolutely love, when you watch other animals, mm. they really don't do a ton of different things. Like a tiger really just kind of does like tiger stuff and a giraffe kind of just does mm. giraffe stuff and a fish kind of swims. But when I, when I watch humans, oh my, look at all the amazing things we can do. We can climb, we can hang, we can run, we can walk, mm. we can trot, we can crawl. We can do so many different things. There's mm. so many different sports worldwide that we participate in. It's, it, I think that's such an advantage of a human is, is the, I guess like the vocabulary of movement that a human can have is yeah. so vast. It's so cool. Oh yes. Yes. Oh yes. It's, 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 I mean, it's, there are infinite possibilities for, for human movement mm. for sure. Uh, and, um, which should, again, that should be another reason for, for expanding the, the, the kind of take up on exercise and movement because it's like, Oh my gosh, there's all these things I can do. And I'm not sure if, because there are just so many options, we get sort of analysis paralysis, like, oh, what do I do? You know, is it optimal or not? Is it, am I doing the right things? Am I doing, am I keeping up with the Joneses? I don't, I'm not sure what expression is in, in America for keeping up with the Joneses, but. Um, that's right. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah. Is it the same, same expression? Same, same, okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. So yeah. So it's like, you know, am I keeping up with the Joneses? Am I, am I doing the right things? Right. So maybe there is. A, a problem around being spoiled for choice because there's too much choice in relation to movement. Mm. But as I talk about in my, my book, Animal Moves, I, I speak about this, this kind of key difference between humans and other animals that other animals tend to be specialists of movement. So, you know, they're, they're fine-tuned, finely honed, you know, beings focus on a particular task like a cheetah and sprinting right so if you if you if you learn if you know anything about cheetahs and their ability to sprint you'll realize there are actually quite a few drawbacks with that ability so the, the, the pros are fastest land mammal right can outrun any creature can ch out chase any creature job done right no no one no nothing comes close However, they can only do it for about four seconds, right? <laughs> and then, and if they, they can only repeat that a few times. If they repeat that too many times, they pretty much can never hunt again. And that's it, mm. right? So they have, to have a, they have to have a pretty high success rate, right, within that four second uh, um, sprint to be able to, to get their kill. That's one problem. Um, they are the, one of the best animals, or if not the, the best animal, at changing direction at top speed. So they can literally turn at like 90 degrees at full speed wow. based on how their like Achilles have developed. Yeah, I think they're the only animal that can do that. 
Wow. They can literally go in a full about turn without without slowing down, which is another reason why there's why they're very success, successful. Ah, I didn't know that. But so yeah, yeah. So there's a there's there are pros, but there are also cons. So there's a significant energy uh, energy demand. They hunt individually, so they're not pack hunters. So the success rate, as I say, the, the failure rate is quite high, and they only have a few chances before it's like actually I can no, I can no longer hunt now. There's no way I can access food. It's game over, right? And again, you could look at other other members of the animal kingdom and go, oh my goodness, you know, like I don't know, the ant, for example, can lift a thousand times its body weight, incredibly strong, <laughs> you know, like. What a feat of strength. Humans, if we if we lift four or five times our body weight, you're like a world champion. That's right. Right? You're, 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 you know, you're the strongest human on the planet if you can do something like that. But you know, body weight strength ratio, you know, body yeah, yeah, size, weight, strength ratios, we're poor in comparison to many other animals. And I think that's the, the key difference between our movement ability and those of the rest of the animal kingdom is that we are generalists. We're pretty poor at most movement abilities apart from walking. Actually, walking is one of the best things we can do, very efficient, hardly uses any, any energy expenditure above kind of basal energy utilization. Very efficient. We can walk great distances, outwalk most, most animals, actually. Uh, um, that's where we're efficient, but but we also have this ability to sprint, to climb, and to lift and carry, and to swim, and to do all these other amazing feats of movement. But we don't practice that when we're in quotation marks exercising. Mm. We pick a subset. We pick locomotion, and we say, right, I'm going to focus on locomotion, but not just any locomotion. Maybe one form, running. That's there you go. I'm just going to focus on running or just on walking. Or maybe I'm a sprinter, so I'm just going to focus on sprinting. You know, or actually, I want to run, but I'm only focused on running very long distances because I want to be an endurance runner. Um, and that there lies the problem for humans because you're almost building in the drawbacks that occur from the specialties of movement in other animals and take, take that on board yourself as a human being. You know what I mean? So we, we're almost underdeveloped in all of these other areas just so we can pursue this you know, high level of ability in one particular fitness domain. Mm. So, so yeah, so, so I mean, I, you know, I could, I could talk about that at length, but, but the main takeaway for people should be humans are generalists of movement. We have this, this huge vocabulary, as you mentioned, of movement that we should all be fluent in. All of us, no matter how, whatever ability is, no matter our disabilities, no matter our mobility issues, we should all be fluent in our vocabulary of movement. All of us should be. Mm. But most of us are, are, dumbing, are dumbing our vocabulary down to a handful of words, <laughs> you know, yeah. a handful of movement verbs. Yeah. Sure. Well, earlier you called it a movement practice, which I love that phrase. How can people um, practically work more play and more movement into their day-to-day -day so that they can expand their vocabulary and learn a few more uh, words from the dictionary? 
Um, easiest way would, would be to buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. But, but um, in all in all seriousness, if you just think about all of the activities you got up to as a kid, so if you had a a, a relatively free range childhood, lots of outdoor play, not many adults around, that sort of environment, right? Then you probably got up to a lot of stuff. You probably didn't just go on your bike and, and stay on your bike all day. You probably did other things too. You probably didn't only just climb trees. You probably did other things as well. You probably played a multitude of sports, pickup sports. You probably played um, a multitude of games, some chasing games, some lifting and carrying games, piggyback carries, you know, like some balance games, tag games. I mean, there's, there's, there's this, again, the, the, the vocabulary of movement when you're a kid, when you're trying to explore everything you can do in the world around you, that's what you need to gravitate towards. Not move like a child, right? Because we're adults. We should be, we should be the masters of, of, of movement for our species as, as, as adults, right? We should be the most developed and mature movement capability as adults, not as, not as kids. But the variety of movement and the, I suppose the mindset around movement and embracing, oh my gosh, there's all these things I can do. Isn't this amazing? You know, the fascination that a, a young kid has around, oh my goodness, you know, I can't sit still. I just want to, I want to run. No, I don't want to run. I want to climb. No, I don't want to climb. I want to jump. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't want to jump. I want to, I want to balance. It, it's, that, it's that sort of attitude to movement. And I try to recreate that for myself. And I try to communicate that to my to those who I coach and, and my groups. And I try to express that in my writing, on my blog and in my books, to kind of like just be more explorative, just be more creative. Think about joy. Think about taking on board calculated risk. Think about involving other people in your movement practice. So, you know, you're maintaining kind of social interaction and, and a social dynamic because all of those things are important as well mm. stay playful don't just think about working out think about playing out uh, and and playing out doesn't necessarily mean you have to be outdoors you can play out indoors as well because it's a it's a mindset it's an attitude mm. not not about the activity specifically wow. so um so yeah i think just don't be afraid to explore what you can do yourself what you can do with your with your friends and family, what you can do in the environment that you're in. Everyone has a different environment that they have to navigate, but it's incredible how much you can do in the environment that you have. And most people will constantly say, it isn't good enough, right? My gym isn't good enough. It's not equipped enough. My home gym isn't good enough. I don't have the right equipment. I don't have the right body shape. I don't have the right, you know, um, I'm not strong enough. I'm not fit enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not rather than thinking, hey, my vocabulary, even though there are limitations, it's still pretty extensive, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's a bit, it's a bit like lang talk, speaking, sticking with languages. It's like, you know, I, don't, I think like the English language has something like, I don't know if it's like a half a million or a million words. Wow. It's, it's one or two, right, uh, uh, in, the, in the English language. So I think it's got one of the most extensive bit of vocab in any language because we don't have like very complicated 
grammatical structures and cases and all that sort of stuff. So we just have to have lots more words to, to fill in those gaps. Huh. But the point is, if you if you can speak 2,000 English words, you pretty much are, are, are A-OK. And, and it's not just even about English words. If you have 2,000 words that you can call up for most languages, you, you, you have a really good command of, of, of those languages usually. Right. You know, you can have conversations. People know what know what you mean. You can you can achieve whatever you want to with that uh, range of vocabulary. And I suppose it's the same with movement. Right. Even if your vocabulary is limited, you can still do so much. You can challenge yourself in so many different ways. You can create, gamify your approach to movement and your movement practice. Mm. And that's what's really important. The downside is. We almost have to shake off, shrug off that the mentality around, no, that's going to, I'm going to look uncomfortable. I'm going to look as if I don't know what I'm doing. People want to question why I'm doing this. And actually we should be just like, I'm moving this way because I'm human. Yeah. I'm moving this way because I'm exploring what I can do. I don't really care what you think. Mm. Unfortunately we do. I wish I could say that I don't care what people think. <laughs> we, we we do because again we're social creatures, so we we're constantly looking for social kind of status and belonging. But but when it comes to thinking, hold on a second, you know, I just because I'm you know I'm in my fifties now, for example, I'm in my early fifties, doesn't mean if I see a tree and I want to climb it and I'm able to do so, I should be able to give it a go, yeah. right? I shouldn't, I shouldn't say, no, I'm not going to do it, not because I can't or because it's too challenging. I'm only going to say no because, oh, what are people going to think? <laughs> you know, yeah. that's, not good, that's not good enough a reason, I would, I, I would say. Mm. Is, is, it, is it illegal? No. Okay, so what's the problem? Oh, because I'm in my 50s and somebody might think, why is that man climbing a tree? That's a bit, you know... Do we call the police? Do we, what do we, <laughs> do we what, <laughs> yeah, totally. you know, what do we, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. There's something not quite right. He's, is he climbing a tree because he, there's a danger that we know nothing about, you know, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I, I think exercise again, going back to exercise, recreational running was only, was only became something culturally acceptable or, or was something that was done culturally in the sort of late sixties. Jogging only became a term that was used in the 60s and 70s. Jogging didn't exist before then. People didn't just run just because they were exercising. The only people that were running would be people who were running from danger or people who were training as athletes. That was it. So imagine if back in the 60s, you saw somebody running and they didn't look like an athlete and they didn't look like they were running from danger, you probably would have had a question mark. Going like, what the heck is that guy or girl doing? Totally. Running. Right? What the heck? You know, you'd probably look behind you going, are they running from some? Yeah, what the heck am I am I not aware of right now? Should I run you know? too? <laughs> Should I run too? Yeah. Then it becomes the norm. Then it becomes convention. Then people realize jogging, jogging is something that can be good for you. And so we need to make, I suppose, other forms of movement <laughs> that, that humans can, can do just as acceptable. If I bear crawl in the park, for example, right? When I first started bear crawling in the park, nearly every other person would stop me and go, what the heck are you doing crawling on the floor? Some people will say, are you okay? Are you all right? 
<laughs> you give me the hand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And totally. I'm like, no, no, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm actually okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Well, I just, I just saw you crawling. I wasn't sure. You know, can you breathe? Okay, are you okay? Uh, and then that tra- that became like, why are you doing this? Why are you crawling? I've seen you here a few weeks, a few months. You know, what, what, you know, you seem pretty fit and, and agile. What's this all about? Um, and then now they see me and they're like, oh, it's just that Daryl guy again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's great. Doing his doing his crawling. Um, uh, and yeah, I don't really. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, that's just what I that's just what I do. <laughs> that's great. No, we get funny looks all the time. Like you mentioned, a lack of equipment as an excuse for not getting movement. Look around yourself. Like we just went through a pandemic. I haven't been in a gym in a year and a half. Like the world around you is a playground and a gym. And yeah, we'll get mm. funny. We'll get funny looks when we're you know brachiating off the monkey bars or climbing up a rock climbing wall at the park. But we also get to witness true fitness, which are these kiddos playing around, having a blast, cooperating with each other. They've already jettisoned their shoes, so they're all barefoot. So their feet are grabbing onto ropes and they're climbing and sliding. And like, you want to see fitness. That's fitness. Kids (laughs) have this down Mm. pat and we need to live a little bit more like them, in my opinion. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. The mindset, that passion and zest for life. And, and that's what we need to maintain. It's not about the it's not about the ability, because as I say, our ability in most cases should be, uh, you know, a, a better adaptation, you know, um, of of what we were in our in our youth, but but the mindset we can certainly maintain, even if we don't we can't maintain the energy levels, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can try to maintain the zest for life and the and the sense of adventure of going to you know, when you're a kid and you go to your local park and you've probably been there hundreds of times but you never say oh the same park you're just thinking oh my goodness i'm here again playing with my friends having a great time as adults you probably would go oh the same park i need another park it's not as exciting anymore you know i've been here done that where else am i going to go for, for for adventure a young kid would be like what are you talking about haven't you seen all the things that we can get up to here can you let me go? Take me off my harness and let me play by myself. <laughs> you know, like there's there's so many things I can, I would love to get up to. So it, it it took me a while. I must confess, it took me a while to break out of that. The fear of why don't I just explore? One, what I can do. One, what my what I'm good at, what I'm not so good at, what I shouldn't spend any time on because it's 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 a you know, the law of diminishing returns, right? I'm never going to be good at that. So what's the point of me spending time doing that? Let me focus on what I love. Let me focus on things that it's a challenge to try and improve some of those areas. Let me focus on doing things that I've never done before that I may never ever do again, but at least I've tried it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even if I'm awful at it, at least I can say, hey, yeah, I tried juggling for a while. Mm, you know, I got, I got the three balls. I tried four balls because that's even cooler, but nah, the amount of time I'm going to have to spend to get good enough at four ball juggling, I don't have the time to invest in that. I could be, I could be playing on other things instead and I can still juggle with three balls. So it's not like, I can't, it's not like I'm never going to juggle again or I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I can still do that, but there's all these other things that I can do because I don't want to be a specialist of movement. I don't want to be an expert at one or two things and wow everyone at that ability i want to be like you know what 
I just want to be a jack of all trades. And if I can master one or two, great. But if not, that's building more resilience. Yeah. That's making me more, more adaptable. Mm. That's reducing the risk of injury. That's increasing the likelihood that I'm going to maintain a sustainable movement practice rather than getting bored. Mm. I'm more likely to be motivated. I'm more likely to, to, to face and accept new challenges because I'm like, hey, I want to try something else. I want to do something different. So there's so many benefits of having that mindset, of having that playful mindset. Kids, I think, I think for kids, they call it a growth mindset. Yeah. And, um, and I'm like, yeah, if you're playful, you already have a growth mindset. You know what I mean? You don't have to develop one. You don't have to, you don't have to create one. Like if you just become more playful, if you actually not even become, if you be more playful, if you accept your innate drive for play and fun and enjoyment and engagement, all of us seek this to some degree. If you just let yourself submit to that call, you just get all these wonderful benefits. I love that. That's such a cool message, man. I love that. I love that it shines through also in your children's book. I think most of us know that kiddos are playing a lot more video games than they should and need to be a little bit more active. What would you want to say to parents of young children, you know, besides telling them that they should play more themselves? Um, what would you say to parents for children that are growing up now, maybe in an environment where they're not playing the same way that maybe you and I did when we were growing up? Yeah, it's 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 a tough it's a tough one because um, it can sound like you're kind of preaching, uh, and or, or just just going, oh, things are so much better in our day, you know, all this helicopter parenting now. Uh, there needs to be a balance struck between the the care and concern that that many of us have as parents now, uh, and wanting to protect our kids in so many different ways, but also ensuring that we have enough, they have enough kind of free range, free play and structured play time so they can develop some of these other skills which can't be taught, right? You can be taught, you know, skills of playing football or certain sports or certain activities, but there are some things that are only developed for experience, are only developed when you're making the decision yourself, right? And that's what free play is, is about. So having play dates with your kids is not the same thing, unfortunately, right? You know, having adult supervision when your kids are playing is not the same thing. Most of my play experiences as a kid and most of my generation's experience of playing as a kid, there weren't any adults around, <laughs> right? Totally, totally. Yeah, the adults were like, we don't want to see you. We don't want to hear you go and do whatever you need to do, come back safe, come back at the time I tell you to. Uh, we're not interested, right? We're only interested when you get back, pretty much. That was pretty much, that was pretty much my, a lot of my childhood. I'm bored. Why don't you go outside and play then? Yeah, totally. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, your friends, would, your friends would knock your door and say, hey, you're coming out to play. Yeah, hey, mom, can I go out to play? Yeah, you can. Okay, fine, out. Do you know what I mean? You know, um, you come in for tea, you know, for dinner. No, no, I don't want to eat. I don't want to <laughs> you, know, like, you know what I mean? It's like nothing else mattered. Like nothing else mattered. Like what do you mean I have to be? If you're the one who has to go home to eat before you, some of the other kids, 
it's like you you don't want to live another day. You're like, <laughs> my life isn't worth living. What do you mean I've got to come in at seven o'clock and have something to eat? We're playing football, you know, like it's just like I'm gonna score the next goal. I'm you know, whatever, whatever you're going for at the time. I'm I'm pretending to be Superman. What are you talking about? <laughs> I've got to go inside. Yeah. So so <laughs> you know how many kids are not having those experiences? Isn't it a shame? Isn't it a shame that some kids will never have the opportunity of being told, just go outside and play? Yeah. No, that's right. I mean, even at a park nearby my house, like I see kids playing soccer, but it's in a league and and that's great. Like, I'm glad mm. they're playing soccer, but this is a formalized thing. All the adults are mm. there. There's coaches and parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, and we give them granola bars and Gatorades at halftime because you kind of ran around a small area for like 20 minutes. It's so different. <laughs> it's so, so different. Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, I mean, I, obviously I'm, I'm from a, a, a football or soccer-loving country. And um, yeah, when we, when I was playing, I, I remember playing football as a kid. 20 minutes, no chance. Sometimes we were playing literally the whole freaking day. And usually we would stop playing because there was something else to play instead. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we scored like, you know, 50 goals. Maybe we should play, you know, maybe we should play something else. Do you know what I mean? Or maybe we should make it more interesting. Maybe we should hop on one leg whilst we're playing. You know, maybe we should not have a goalkeeper. And, you know, let's see if we can score goals from right from the other side of the park. And, you know, you, you just create these scenarios to make it even more fun. And, and yeah, I have a fairly dystopian view of the world sometimes, especially in relation to some of the the issues that our children are facing now, but um, I certainly would have hated it. I mean, there's lots of things about my childhood I would change, of course, uh, you know, especially when you could, if you could portal yourself to, to the 21st century, like, oh my goodness, look at all these amazing things that we, that we have access to now. But me not being able to face some of the challenges I did as a young kid that I wouldn't have done if other adults were around. So for example, I remember uh, we had a, in our park, we had this huge, what we're known as adventure playgrounds, which are very popular here in the UK. Pretty much if, if a lot of them, some of them still exist, but not, not as many because child services would be called at every opportunity if, if kids were seen on these things, because they weren't, I mean, they just were not safe. You know, you could be easily 40, 50 feet above, above ground, no, no soft surfaces. You'd be landing straight on concrete things are pretty, pretty rickety and like falling apart. You know, it was, that was how it, that's, that was how it was. Right. And, and I remember sometimes looking at the older kids thinking, you know, I can't wait until I'm older so I can, I can kind of swing from bar to bar or I can climb that high and feel safe or I can jump from really high. And, and um, many kids are never going to have that experience. Mm. You know, they're never going to have, they're not, they're not going to be able to make the decision to say, I'm not ready to do that yet. I need to ask the older kids how to do this. I need to speak to my peers to, to be able to risk assess. And so we have this overprotective environment for many of our kids. And then we let them out into the world and we expect them to, to navigate the world. Yeah. And then we're surprised when we have, you know, mental health issues in our children higher than ever before, self-harming, bullying, you know, cyberbullying and 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 all of these issues that that many kids are facing, 
And we think it's just because of technology. Whereas actually, a lot of it is because they didn't have the emotional and cognitive development and mental development that came about by just being outside playing. Yeah. Yeah. And building, building thoughts, you know, and, and, you know, taking those practical science lessons that you have at school and implementing them in the real world. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You do, you don't care about the science. You just like, I want to see if I can build something. You know, I want to, you know, I want to see if I can get something to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make a paper airplane and I'm going to, you know, I learn about aerodynamics by me creating a paper airplane. I throw it up in the air and it comes straight down like a cannonball. That's not great, is it? What can I do to make this paper plane work to, to fly great distances? You know, again, how many kids will never experience something like that? We'll never fly a kite. We'll never go into a, a go-kart that was made or a homemade sled. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, oh, anyway, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, I, I'm really, I feel really kind of passionately upset about the fact that there are all of these opportunities that kids are missing out on because we arrogantly feel as parents that the childhoods of today are better. Yeah. Because, you know, a, a parent can say things like, oh, well, my child now can do ballet and gymnastics and martial arts and play all these different types of sports and has all these play dates and has all this technology and blah, 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 and all these different things that they can, they can have. But what I don't have is probably the imagination and the creativity that many kids would have, the adventures that many kids had back then. They're suffering the ill health. There's ill health challenges comparing kids of a generation ago to now. I mean, yeah, I, it, it, it's, it's, um, I think in my TED talk, I talk about, um, I hope I speak about this in my TED talk. If I don't, then they were talking about it now. But there are three times as many kids being admitted to ER falling out of bed than there is falling out of a tree compared to a generation ago. I'm going to repeat that because it's worth repeating. Three times as many kids are admitted to ER, you know, falling out of bed than they are falling out of a tree That's today. Insane. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Well, this I mean, is, I'm mean, not talking, I'm mean, not talking about bunk beds either. You're talking about your standard run of the mill bed. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's such a shame. And you're right. I think we're going to have a real lack of resilience to grapple with in, the, in this next generation, especially, but I just, this is why we wanted to talk to you and why your work is just so, so important, not only for adults, but for children. I'm so glad that you have resources for both for adults to play more and also your wonderful resources for children. It's, it's really awesome and inspiring. And it gives me a little hope that, you know, maybe we can't change the world, but we can help some people if they're ready to start moving again. And your message of joy and having fun and play is just, it's, it's so amazing and inspiring. And so we're so, so grateful for it. Thank you. Where, where can people go to find you and find your work and connect with it? Yeah. The best place is my website called, uh, which is primalplay.com. It has, uh, a lot of research, a lot of, you know, evidence base around primal play, which is, evolutionary biology, uh, exercise physiology, and play psychology. So all of the science around those three areas are, are significantly mentioned on my on my site, lots of citations, all of that sort of good, good stuff. I have resources around 
helping people become more playful. So I have free eBooks, one on the importance of play, for example. I have introductory books on, on animal moves uh, as well. And I also have other resources, which are, you know, books that are published, products that can help people become more playful and people can kind of who want to really dive in a little bit more to be to be more playful for themselves and their for their families and friends so yeah crownplay.com is the best place to to go i'm known as a fitness explorer online uh, on social media and um yeah that's about it i think Awesome. That's great. We will link to all of that in the show notes. Your free resources on your website are incredible. I downloaded all of them and I would highly encourage our listeners to do the same. Daryl Edwards, thank you so very much for your work and for helping to encourage us to play and have fun and move. It's a message that is so, so needed. And we're so grateful for you and your work and your time to come onto our show today. So thank you very much. Well, thanks very much, Casey, for letting me uh, talk about my passion and uh, you're a fantastic host. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. You are a tremendous guest. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. So thank you again so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio. I can't thank you, the listener, enough. We are so grateful for you. This year, 2021, was amazing. We got to talk to so many amazing people around the world and got to learn so much from them. And we actually just passed 80,000 downloads worldwide, which I just, when I started this, could not even fathom that we could reach that many people with the message. And hopefully you have gotten a lot out of this, um, as, as have we. Um, As we start the new year, we just wanted to let you know about some of the resources that we offer at Boundless Body LLC. Please go to our website, which is myboundlessbody.com. That's myboundlessbody.com. You will see an option to book a complimentary 30-minute consultation with us so that we can discuss your goals with health and fitness and maybe help you create a plan for the new year. Bethany, my wife, also offers uh, virtual mat Pilates classes, which are absolutely amazing. They're very engaging and also very, very affordable. Those can be done live on Mondays and Fridays or also given out as a recording to do at your own convenience. We also offer training and meal planning services that are also done virtually from the safety of your own home. So if you want to avoid the busyness of a gym, we can help show you how to get really fantastic results at home with a very minimal amount of equipment. We've been doing it now for two years. We've gotten pretty good at it. So we are happy to show you that. Once again, that website is myboundlessbody.com. And if you are enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. It really helps um, get this passion project out to more people. So cheers to 2022. And thank you again for listening to Boundless Body Radio.